end of time. Thirteen. O'clock. You guys, what's going on? Look at Tommy's like all posed. Like when the thing yeah, goes I on. <laughs> I just looked over. Man. Tom's gonna feel a little under not the weather today. Yeah. It's feeling a little under the weather I today. Feel, I slept all day, man. Not feeling good. God. Yeah, maybe you're coming down with something. I hope not. Because I'll probably We're get it see. too. But you know. <sighs> got some drinks. Yeah. It's Wednesday I'll night. I'll drink it away. It's the main show. Yeah, yeah. that's usually how it works. I'll just drink it away. It'll yeah, be all right. Usually yeah. We're going to be talking about serial killer today. I'm amazed that we haven't done yeah. this guy before. I've been wanting to do a show on this guy for a really long time. Yeah, I remembered him. I remember his case. What a fucking creep. Well, not like, I mean, not like they all, I mean, they're all they're creeps, all creeps, obviously. But, um, yeah, this, this motherfucking guy. He was a photographer. Or so he said. Yeah, and he'd uh, try to get these. He had real good taste in women. He'd get these pretty girls, and he was like, we're going to go out somewhere, we'll take some photographs of her, and she'd fucking disappear. And yeah. uh, he had... They eventually ended up catching him. They went into one of his storage units. He had hundreds of pictures of girls. Thousands? Yeah, thousands, yeah. Well, they wasn't just girls, it was girls, women, and boys, too. Yeah, okay. And they were... Um, they don't know who most of these people are. Yeah, they've been trying it's, to like it's hundreds find of them. people, but thousands of photos. Yeah, they said it was just hundreds of, of girls. Yeah, and um, some of them were a lot of them were so explicit they can't show them. So I don't know exactly. What yeah, they about. said um, I think that there's like a hundred, hundred and fifty of them, like still on. I think it might be on the FBI's website, um, but they said like nine hundred out of them, and they can't show them because they're all like porn essentially, yeah. um, you know, or they're all nudes. So were they alive in the photos? Yes, but okay. that's why they're confused because okay. they did know definitively. They found yeah. out later on that at least one of the girls, like one of the women in the photos, she did turn up dead. Yeah. So they don't know now. Some of the women, I think, like twenty twenty one women, like after they you know publicized the photos, mm -hmm. they came forward and said, "No, that's me." Like oh, I'm alive, alive. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. But um, some of the people, they have never found them, or they disappeared, or their families came forward and said, "Yeah, we don't know where our daughter is. Like she's been missing for a really long." time and some so of those, some of those women were in the in the uh the nudes yeah okay so according to them it was just like a normal porn shoot yeah i mean there i guess go. so okay but see that's the thing it's um so they don't actually know i mean spoiler alert rodney yeah. alcala is dead now he died in 2021 and good riddance yeah but um they don't actually know how many people he killed um, they, they know for sure that he killed eight, but, um, the total could be many, many, many more than that. Uh, could be as, as high as 130. And actually some of the people that, uh, that they found out that he killed like later on were originally attributed to the Hillside Strangler, like okay. another, well, actually I should say Hillside Stranglers because there were two of them. I remember that case. But yeah, we did, we did do a show about them, right? Um, Ken yeah. Bianchi and uh, Angelo Buono, I those was, two. I was in California as a little kid when those were going on. Or at least they were talking about them, maybe, on, yeah. on the news. That Hillside Strangler, that was 70s, right? 
Yeah. yeah. This is also 70s. Okay, yeah. Then I was there. And here's the fucked up thing. And I was like, because I was watching a documentary about this on my lunch hour earlier. And the crazy thing about this was not only were the Hillside Stranglers active at the same time as Rodney Alcala, but Son of Sam was active at the same time as well. And Rodney Alcala went back and forth from L.A. to New York. So there were like serial killers in both cities. Like there was more than one serial killer. Like there was a lot of serial killers in the 70s, you guys. It was kind of like fucking. That let it fuel. Yeah, we've talked about that, but yeah, it had to be something. I mean, 60s and 70s, man. Yeah. God damn it. And, like, into the 80s, too. I kind of feel like, you know, by the late 80s, 90s, it started, like, tapering off. But, I mean, you know, there's around still... When the, around when the lads started to fucking get... Yeah, kind of I mean, there's still murderers and stuff like yeah. that, but it really does seem like the 60s and 70s was kind of like the heyday. Yeah. But High population, density areas, with people from all over collecting there. A lot of cars burning leaded fuel. It just... And a lot yeah, of this shit before the catalytic converter, too, in some cases. And then I remember buying leaded gasoline and putting it in my car. Driving it around. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember did. when, I don't, because I was, like, pretty young then, but it's yeah. like, um, I do remember when you had the option, though. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, if you had an older car, you wanted leaded. Yeah. I was driving that shit, man. Trey said, was it 91 when they realized he had killed way more than they thought? Yeah, they didn't actually find out until, like, later on, um, you know, that he... And they did actually were able to, like, link him through DNA to, like, several other murders that, uh, you know, that, that hadn't been solved. DJ Maniac uh, is here. Hey, where have you been? Um, said, just dropping in real quick before work, um, Alcala was played by a Cuban B from Half-Baked in a TV movie. And it's amazingly bad, as you can imagine. I did actually see that that was on there, and I was, like, looking for it to watch, but it's, like, I couldn't... I didn't have time to watch it. Watching what? Like, it's a TV movie about him. Oh, okay. I'm surprised there's not more stuff about him. And the reason they call him the Dating Game Killer, obviously, is because he was on the Dating Game in 1978. um, And the footage of it is everywhere, like, if you want to see it. And, uh, yeah, he does come across as pretty creepy. Although I have to say that in the 70s, everybody kind of came across sort of creepy like that. Yeah, and he wasn't a bad-looking guy. He had had long hair and shit. He had okay bone structure. I mean, he didn't look like what you would consider to be a serial killer to look like. He looked just kind of... Well, they they hardly ever do. Yeah. That's that's why. If you that make happens. a beauty contest and you put him up there with fucking uh, Ted Bundy, he probably beat Ted Bundy. Would you think? I don't know. I'm not ranking the attractiveness yeah, of serial say, killers. I think, probably, I think he'd probably beat Ted. I Bundy. don't think Rodney Alcala or Ted Bundy are attractive. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's not what I asked you. I said if you put him in a beauty contest side by side, I think I think uh, I think this guy would probably beat Ted Bundy. And Ted Bundy was considered to be, like, the better looking of the serial killers. I don't I don't think Rodney Alcala is good looking at all. Okay. Even with that stupid 70s hair, which, no. is, you know, is not helping matters. So you're not playing this game? No. Okay. I don't, I don't, think, he's, I don't think he's attractive at all. I didn't ask that. It's not what I asked. I asked between the two. I think that this one is like I said, public. and what did I say? There, I said, don't see, make me gonna... don't make me choose, okay. like, the most right. attractive serial killer. Okay. I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? They're all fucked up. Yeah. Zach says, uh, plus, this was a generation of men raised by men messed up by World War II, which who knows what kind of effect that had. Yeah, I'm sure that probably played into it some as well. Maybe. I mean, yeah, it could have. Maybe. It could have. Because, uh, yeah, it it was kind of more the era of, like, um, the dads were kind of, uh, and I kind of feel like this was 
all the generations prior to that. But the dads were kind of, like, distant. They weren't really, like, super involved in, like, raising the kids and stuff like that. So, well, I don't now know. now they're non-existent in a lot of the new families. So, you know, I don't know if that's what it was. I think it, it was violence and sex being merged for some reason and lack of inhibition. Uh, lack of self-control. It sounds like fucking mercury or lead poisoning. That's what it yeah. sounds like. Yeah. The weird thing about uh, Rodney Alcala, though, was that from everything that I could determine, he didn't seem like weird from a kid. Because you know how sometimes serial killers are like, oh, they started torturing animals and shit like that? Yeah. Um, they said he seemed pretty normal, like, until he was, like, in his late teens or early 20s. And even then, like, he seemed pretty normal. But, um, you know, like, they said he didn't, they didn't really know that he had, you know, tortured animals or done any of the shit that, like, serial killers do, like, when they're younger. They didn't know or they, or, or he didn't do it? As, uh, apparently he didn't do it. I didn't okay. see anything. Most, most of the things I said, they, I saw that it's like he wasn't abused. He wasn't anything like that. Um, the only kind of significant thing that happened in his family life was, like, his father left them when he was like 12 i think um but i don't think i don't that's think, about it i don't think ted bunny did anything to animals though either yeah i don't think yeah he maybe he didn't yeah i don't that's not a that's well, not a dead giveaway no but. but it is like very very common yeah. that it's like a really common well it is common be between doing. just a lot of damn criminals too yeah well that's what i'm saying but I, they're just saying that rodney alcala as far as i know um didn't really have any red flags from childhood, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, he didn't really see... And like I said, he didn't seem to experience any horrible abuse or anything like that, like, in his childhood. Like, he seemed... His childhood seemed fairly normal. Now, he did, like, um, move back and forth because his parents were Mexican, um, and they had moved to San Antonio, and he was born in San Antonio. And then um, they moved back to Mexico for a little while, but then, like, his dad left, and then they ended up... Him and his mom and his him and his siblings like ended up moving back to LA and living there for a while. But he seems like one of those, he is kind of like Ted Bundy in a way in, in the way that he didn't really have like a bunch of like weird shit in his childhood that would explain like why he was the way he was. But he also had that real like superficial charm, um, overconfidence. He, um, he also at his, uh, later trial, um, he actually also defended himself, but he didn't do, <laughs> this is going to sound weird. He didn't do as well as Ted Bundy. Cause remember when we did the show about Ted Bundy and I said how yeah. mad I was that like the judge was like, Oh, you should have been a lawyer. Like instead of a yeah. serial killer, like you'd have made a great lawyer. You'd have yeah. made a great, and I'm like, don't, I don't know what happened to you kid. Don't encourage yeah, that yeah, boy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, don't do that. But, uh, so when Rodney Alcala did it though, um, he came across as kind of like a crazy person. <laughs> Like, not so much a crazy person, but it's just, like, somebody that was just like, well, I don't know. It's like fucking, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it, it's it's something. But he was, like, older, too. Yeah. Like, he was a lot older, like, by the time they caught him. So, you know, it's fucking uh, crazy. Ted Bundy had some training as a lawyer, though, I think, didn't he? Yes. He did, so. uh, Rodney Alcala did not. Right. Rodney Alcala, he did uh, graduate from college. He graduated from um, from art school, uh, and also he went to NYU. Like, he went to film school. Studied under Roman Polanski, actually. He had a he had a class, like a film class, that was taught by Roman Polanski. And it's not that that, like, made him a serial killer or anything like that. I think I, he probably already killed people by that point. But, uh, but yeah. So, um, let's see. 
Yeah, Camp Guy said, Alcala and Bundy remind me of each other. Yeah, I think their pathologies are very similar. Um, now, I will say that Alcala didn't do... Okay, he didn't uh, fuck severed heads, uh, as far as anybody knows. Yeah. Um, but he did... He, he did have that, like, sexual sadism kind of thing where he was really into, uh, he, he would, like, strangle a girl and then, like, let her wake back up and then strangle her again and, like, keep doing it. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. He would do shit like that, like, oh, it's like a little bit of torture and that kind of shit. So, in a lot of ways, they are very similar. I think Ted Bundy was probably, like, more sick. I don't know if you want to, like, put it on a spectrum. They're all fucked up. They're all fucked up. Yeah, Bunny'd walk around body parts. That's him. what I'm saying. I don't think Alcala did that. Right. Although, as I said, they didn't really catch him until later. And then after they found that warehouse and all his pictures, and they're like, "Holy shit!" Like maybe he killed a lot more people than we thought. So we're not really entirely sure what he did to yeah. some of the people. And he also went after like little girls, like 12, 13 year old girls, yeah. also. So, so did Bundy, though. Yeah, Bundy did as when well. When he could. Although he wouldn't admit it, would right. he? No. Yeah. He never admitted it, but when he could, I think he, did. I think he got one or two of those. Yeah. Um, he was mean to them, too. He, he, he told that one girl she was a little pig and took her to the pig, uh, pig slaughterhouse and cut her throat. I remember yeah. that. Yep. Nasty motherfucker. And then he would... Uh, that's, that's Bundy. Yeah. People don't realize, you know, you see Bundy walking around, you know, from this... In, in the courtroom with his suit and you know, him trying to look normal. That motherfucker was not normal, man. Yeah. He I mean, would carry around heads. He'd keep a girl's head for a while, just use it as a sex toy. I mean... Yeah, he's like the was, very definition yeah, of not normal. No, that dude was not fucking normal. And um, there, I think he also would do things kind of like the Green River Killer. If he had a good-looking girl dead somewhere out in the woods, I think he'd go back a couple times to her. There was necrophilia happening i think he did that too if i remember correctly not all the time but i think he did it a couple times am i or am i mistaking that for somebody else i thought he had a couple but i thought he kept one girl's body stashed off the side of the road in a in, in, in a in an area and went back to her a couple times over a period of a few days i don't really remember to be honest with you i think i think so. i think he said he did that sometimes the details of them kind yeah. of blur together because we've done so many shows about serial yeah. killers you know what i mean Trey said, uh, talking about Rodney Alcala, uh, he was actually on the lam for raping an eight-year-old girl when he went to film school. Yes, that's true. Because, like I said, he went back and forth from L.A. to New York, like, tr kind of trying to escape. But it seemed like he wasn't trying to escape all that hard because, yeah, he used, like, a bullshit uh, fake name and stuff. But a lot of times he used his real name. He didn't, like, try to change his appearance or nothing like that. He didn't really seem like he was sneaking around all that much. And the thing about it was that I'm going to say I kind of feel like uh, the justice system kind of um, fell down on this one because he got caught a few times like earlier and he actually got convicted a few times, but then it always ended up getting like overturned, like on various technicalities and stuff. And so he kept like getting back out, you know? So I think the problem there was that they had him in their in custody a few times, but he ended up getting out for various reasons. And then he would go and like do it again. You know what I mean? So do we have anything that we need to cover before we get, you going to, you all right? You going to yeah. die? No. I'm not. 
I wanted to say, um, I don't think Louie is here, but it's like, I think I mentioned it on Sunday show or Monday show, but I can't really remember. But I always like to say it on the main show, so I want to give a shout out to Louie for sending us some movies. Yes. Sent us the steelbook of Highlander. And also sent us Black Hawk Down, right? Yeah, we got to see those. Yeah, so we're gonna be like reviewing at least we'll at least one of those. Like we'll yeah. probably do it on Sunday. Let's let's do Highlander because I've been wanting to do Highlander for a while. Okay. I mean, it's up to you if you want to do the we'll other do one first, but it's like doesn't matter. Yeah, I think I'd put that in the poll a few times, but yeah. it just never wins. But yeah, so we'll be doing that on Sunday, and of course uh, we'll be doing the sidetrack show. We'll do it Friday night this week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because there's no reason not to. Because I don't think we're going any place this weekend. Mm. So, uh, yeah. All right. So, let's start talking about this motherfucker. Now, Rodney Alcala is not... It's not exactly, exactly like his real name. His real name when he was born was Rodrigo Jacques Alcala Bucor. That was his name. Now, he was born in San Antonio in Texas. Um, Now, his parents were Mexican-American, like I said. Now, not too long after, uh, I believe Rodney was just like a teenager or, you know, or was a kid or something like that, but the whole family like moved to, from San Antonio to Mexico for a little while. And then three years later, his dad just took off and left and went and started a new family somewhere else. So then in 1954, uh, Rodney's about 11 and his mom, uh, moved him and his siblings. He actually had two sisters. Um, to Los Angeles. Now, when Rodney was 17, this was in 1961, he joined the army. Now, he didn't, I said he didn't see any action or anything like that. He was just like a clerk or whatever. So he was in there for three years and he had what the military psychiatrist termed a nervous breakdown. We're not really sure. Um, I've heard that it was maybe because his father died. Because, like I said, his father had abandoned them. But I guess maybe, I don't know if he was still in touch with them or whatever. But I think he found out that his father died and it kind of, like, fucked him up a little bit. I don't know what the parameters of the nervous breakdown were, but that's what they keep calling it. Now, during this particular uh, episode, he actually went AWOL. And he uh, ended up hitchhiking from Fort Bragg, where he was, to his mom's house. Now, when they uh, got hold of him and they sent him to the psychiatrist, the military psychiatrist, and this was in, you know, the 1960s, diagnosed him with antisocial personality disorder. So even back then, uh, they knew probably something was like the matter with him. So he got discharged from the army on medical grounds because that's because he was diagnosed with that. Now, they're not entirely sure. I was watching, if you guys um, watch a YouTube channel, it's Dr. Grande. And he does, he puts up some, like, he puts up a million videos. He puts up something, like, every day, it seems like. And he's always, like, doing um, kind of uh, psychiatric evaluations of various, you know, serial killers and celebrities. And he, then he does just, just does, like, general topics and stuff, too. And I was watching the Rodney Alcala one. And um, he's like, yeah, antisocial personality disorder, like, from what we know about him, that does seem fairly accurate. Um, but that he's been diagnosed by other professionals as maybe narcissistic personality disorder. He said, yeah, that seems pretty on the money as well. Maybe borderline, uh, or malignant narcissism with, uh, psychopathy and sexual sadism comorbidities. Mm. 
So, uh, yeah, and as all those sound pretty on the money, like, uh, at least from what you can tell, like, yeah, by looking at his crazy. behavior. He's crazy, he's a dick, uh, he, he's, uh, he beats on women, and that's, uh, it, what else? <laughs> but that's, that's basically all that shit means. It's well, you know. <laughs> it all sounds all high tech. Well, it's not so much that, because, yeah. I mean... Antisocial personality disorder, narcissistic yeah. borderline, those are all very specific things, yeah. and they do have, like, different uh, manifestations, you know yeah. what I mean? It's not, like, just all the same thing, you know what yeah. I'm saying? There are very specific... There's a pattern to what they're talking about. Yeah. A bit of general description. Yeah. Of personality types. I don't know if it's science, but it, it is... You can describe people like this. There's yeah. Only, there's only certain kinds of people. Only certain kinds of... You know what I mean? It might be 30 or 40 different kind of personality types you know the the, the the ones that are real bad are famous <laughs> yeah that's yeah. yeah and like i said this this guy seems he came across very much like ted bundy although yeah. watching him at the trial like defending himself at the trial he didn't have the same he didn't have the same level of that just glib overconfidence that ted bundy had but similar, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I'm good at sizing people up, you know, through my experiences in sales and shit like that, mind games and fucking with people. Um, Bundy came off as confident, but that was just the facade. I, he, he, yeah. would, he would do that to hide the fact that he was scared. Yeah. That, that's, that's what he was doing. Yeah. You could see right through him. Well, that's what and, I meant when I said glib overconfidence. Yeah. That doesn't mean he was actually confident. No, he was that scared. just means he's like overcompensating. He was scared, and, he, and he'd try a bunch of fast talking to bamboozle people into thinking that he was smarter than he really was. He wasn't that smart. He was no. just parroting off things that he thought smart people would say. Yeah, and, and, and he had the mannerisms of a smart guy, but not the substance. That, that, you can see it when you if you just watch. Well, and that's the thing. It's yeah. like I feel like yeah, maybe he could fool some people, but yeah. I don't think he fooled most people. I mean, I don't think he did. He didn't fool me. That's for sound. sure. Yeah, it's just he just came across as very. It's like they always all serial killers, to me. Come across as a role player, somebody who's larping. Yeah, they never come off as genuine, even when they're even when they're killing somebody like, like the damn. Charles Nying and fucking Leonard Lake from the videos, yeah. tapes that survived that I was able to see. It doesn't even look real. It looks like people LARPing as serial killers. It's hard and to I that want... that's really a victim that they have. And it just, it just, it seems, it looks really fake. Sometimes I wonder if it's because people that have those pathologies, maybe they are, maybe there's nothing at their core of this them. So they can't be genuine because there's nothing there. There's nothing there, yeah. So no every consciousness. Right. So yeah, everything yeah, yeah. is just kind of, yeah. And we've talked yeah. about that before. Like maybe they don't feel consciousness the way the yeah. rest of us do, like, or self-awareness. So maybe everything is a role that they're playing because yeah. that's all they're doing is yeah. they're just aping yeah, good example. other people's behavior. Good examples. Jim was coming out of, uh, coming out of surgery and was still under anesthesia. And I talked to her for a whole hour and she doesn't remember it. And during that time, anesthesia shut her consciousness down. So she was basically AI during that time i really couldn't tell the difference though you know I don't, i'm not sure if i should be offended by that no <laughs> no but it, but imagine if somebody was was like that all the time you could probably tell the difference right you know what i mean because you you were just you were behaving normally from my point of view 
but you couldn't remember any of it afterwards. Yeah. But I didn't test you for, for, for cognition, you know what I mean? Whether self-awareness. I didn't test you of any of that. Right. There may be a way. Stuart Hameroff would know all about that because he's big into all that kind of research. And it, so it could be that certain brains don't have consciousness. Maybe they're like an AI. I mean, yeah, there has to be something because there really has to be something fundamentally the matter with you to do that, yeah. to do this kind of stuff. And maybe you shut down your consciousness because your childhood was bad or something. So it was just kind of shut down for your own survival. But then that leads you to being fucking ruthless serial killer. Yeah, it's possible. And I'm like I said, it's got to be some. There has to maybe be some genetic component involved too, because yeah. some people like Rodney Alcala, like Ted Bundy, um, they didn't. As far as I know, they didn't have any kind of traumatic childhood that would have engendered that. So, I mean, there has to be some other reason why it happened. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't really know. But yeah, so yeah, they both come across as kind of just like douchey. It's rare. Overconfident kind it's, of thing. It's rare that people do this. So it must yeah, be thankfully. A, so it must be a combination of many rare things all happening, all at, happening once. at once. All happening at once, yeah. So it's something genetic, maybe something organic, or it might have been brain damage there, uh, on top of it. Then there was like some kind of a weird neglect in the family. Uh, and then there was maybe like, I don't know, bullying at school or something. And then it all starts. And then they're in an environment where they can get away with this. Then there's some kind of sexual turmoil going on, and, and you know what I mean. And then it all kind of adds up into this, like a perfect storm, you know. Yeah, it has to be like a just a whole bunch of different factors. Yeah, it can't be one thing, or it'd be a lot more common. Yeah, which, like I said, it's not. I yeah. mean, it's more common than uh, it should be. But the reason that people are so fascinated by them is because it's so unusual. I have a feeling that they're not aware that they're AI, a biological AI. Somehow they shut down their own consciousness. No ability to have introspection. No ability to have empathy for anybody else. And there's a lot of people that's like that, though. They don't have empathy for other people. Yeah. Um, and it's very, very common. But it's yeah. usually not this bad. You know? Yeah, I think a lot of people have that, but not to the extent yeah. where they'd like right. kill somebody. But yeah. they, but for sure, they'll just like fuck you over. Because like, yeah. they'll be like, oh, well, me, me, me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... This is just like the extreme of that, yeah. I suppose. I mean, it's it's very common right now with young people not being able to predict what somebody else would do if they do something else. In other words, they don't understand cause and effect yet. There's a lot of that. It's being video documented, you know, and it has something to do with the way they're being raised. It's impeding on their ability to predict what will happen if you do or say certain things. That's weird, if you ask me. We're in the age of fuck around and find out. But some people haven't realized that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if you say something crossways to somebody, he's going to punch you. But I don't understand why that isn't a given. You know? That's weird, don't you think? Yeah. I think so, too. I mean, I grew up from an early age knowing that if you insulted somebody in high school, they'd punch you. You know, but I guess the they don't think the world's like that. I guess. Yeah. I, but you have empathy for the person. If I said that to me, I'd fucking punch me too. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they don't have empathy. I'm gonna punch myself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
But yeah, so, uh, all right, so where was I? Let's see. So he gets out of the army, like I said, and then he went to uh, California and he went to UCLA School of Fine Arts and he actually graduated from there. Now, from what they know, okay, now this is the start of his fucking criminal career here. Even though most of his murders were in the 70s and I kind of feel like he's mostly associated with the late 70s, However, his first crime that they know of uh, was committed in 1968. Now, what happened here was that he was in L.A. And he lured an eight-year-old girl named Tally Shapiro into his apartment. Um, Not really sure how he did that. Um, I think he said something about uh, he knew her, her parents or something like that. So... Thankfully, somebody um, like a like a bystander or a witness that was driving by, like saw him luring the girl and like taking her into the and he thought it looked weird. So he followed the car. He followed uh, Alcala's car and followed him to the address. And then he wrote down the address. And then he went back to the payphone and he called the cops. So the cops got to the house and they knock on the door and um, Rodney is just like cool as a cucumber and he's like oh just give me a minute you know i'm not dressed or something like that and they do for some stupid reason and he runs out the back i heard he was completely naked he just (laughs) ran out the back like naked or whatever so the cops bust in the house and this little eight-year-old girl is on death's door she's like laying there on the floor he's she's been raped um he beat her with a steel bar in the head like he cracked her fucking skull open or whatever hmm. they did find her alive she was all fucked up but i mean thank that good samaritan that like saw the shit and like saw it looked weird and thought it looked weird and followed the dude so that little girl would be dead because they said if the cops hadn't got there that quick that she would have died like hmm. from her injuries but they did find her but you know that's good that they saved her but rodney got away you know because he was like oh hang on just a second and then he's like he and then like he runs naked out the fucking back door and like you know skedaddled so uh yeah so after that he's like oh well better leave la for a while because you know raping and almost murdering an eight-year-old girl yeah that'll put a little crimp in your style won't it didn't seem to bother him that much well yeah that's what i'm saying like what the fuck man well i guess i guess policing back then what wasn't what it was you could probably leave a county, and the counties probably didn't talk to each other very well. Yeah, I mean, this was, like, yeah. 60s and 70s. Right. So it's not like now where, you know, you instantly go anywhere, and they can instantly find out yeah. where your stupid ass is at. Right, yeah. But back then, they didn't. And like I said, he could, he would, went back and forth across the country all the time. He's like, hey, changed his name, enrolled in schools, all this other kind of shit. Like, with their, you can't do that shit anymore. I mean, you can, but it's, like, a lot harder. They'd notice it. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like you really, really, really have to like know your shit to get away with it nowadays. You're just like, yeah. So uh, so he decides he's going to go across the country. So he goes to New York and, uh, as I mentioned before, enrolled at NYU at the film school. And he enrolls under a pseudonym, John Berger, or I guess Berger, because it's B-E-R-G-E-R. Okay. So he enrolls there. Like I said, you know, he had a class under Roman Polanski. Not necessarily uh, relevant, but (laughs) you know what I mean? I just thought I would mention it because I thought it was a fun fact. And uh, also, so he's going there. And then in 1971, 
he got a job as a counselor at an arts camp, like a children's art camp in New Hampshire. I think it was like a drama type camp, you know what I mean? Like over the summer. And he used a different alias at that. And it's like in that place, he used the alias John Berger, like hamburger. You know what I mean? Now, interestingly, coincidentally, not coincidentally, in June of 1971, um, a 23-year-old woman named Cornelia Crilly, she um, worked for TWA. She was a flight attendant. And they found her raped and strangled in her apartment in Manhattan. Now, they didn't actually know that Rodney Alcala had killed her until 2011. Hmm. Like, when they were doing, like, some DNA and shit like that. But this was around the time, because he was in New York and he killed, like, some women there as well. And they didn't know that until, like, much later on. Now, okay. So, because he had fled California... And because he had raped and, you know, attempted murder on an eight-year-old girl, um, you know, the FBI are not going to, like, look too kindly on that. And they knew that he had left the state. So the FBI put him on the 10 most wanted fugitives list in 1971. Now, interestingly, remember how I said that he was uh, ca- at a camp counselor at, like, this arts camp in New York, right? Or in New Hampshire, rather. So it so happened that he was on, like, the most wanted poster or whatever, and they put it, like, in all the post offices. These two kids that were in his art camp, they went into the post office, like, in New Hampshire. I don't, I've heard that it was because it started raining and they ran in there or they went in there to mail a letter or something. And they saw his picture on the poster and they said, hey, that looks like our camp counselor whose name is John Berger. So the two kids... They called the fucking FBI. Yeah. And said, hey, you might want to, like, come check this fucking motherfucker out. Yeah. Because this looks just like our fucking... Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I was like, good on those kids. You know what I mean? They, they keep trying to catch this motherfucker. Yeah, they, they, were, like the, they offered rewards, though, too. They're like, we gonna yeah. get that money. <laughs> 25000 Yeah, we're gonna spit. Well, hey, they're welcome to it. Take all the candy it. we can buy. <laughs> Take all the kids. I don't know how old the kids were, but yeah. It's $25,000 yeah. worth of Jolly Ranchers. Yeah. <laughs> but like I'm I said... The stick, Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> the stick ones, yeah. Fire stick, yeah. But like I said, they're welcome to it because I feel like most people don't even look at those posters and it's like wouldn't be observant enough to be yeah. like, hey, look at that motherfucker. I know who that is. And then like to actually go through and like call the number and shit like that. But yeah, so, and you know, back then it was a lot harder to do. You had to like find a pay phone. You couldn't just like pick up your fucking phone out of your pocket and do it. You know what I mean? Well, they were at the, they were at the post office though. Yeah, that's true. They're probably phone right there. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, hey, we're going to call and turn. Phone. This is the maybe, they, maybe they hated him and he was an yeah. asshole. So they're like, we're going to turn this fucker in. I don't know. You just look up there and you see, you see that face and you go, that, look at that reward. There was going to be reward money right next to it. Yeah. You go, oh, okay. For one for murder. That's, I think that's that dude, man. That's him. Yeah probably what it was that's probably what they said yeah it's like well, let's call it yeah let's get it ching <laughs> i wonder do they get a reward because if it's not him then not, there's no harm done right yeah that's true yeah so uh so yeah so he did get arrested actually and he got extradited to california now here's the shitty thing well you know okay so they took him back to California, and he was supposed to stand trial for the rape and attempted murder, like uh, and kidnapping too, actually, of the eight-year-old girl, um, Tali Shapiro. However, by the time that they got him back to California, um, the little girl's parents 
had taken her back to Mexico and they did not want her to testify at the trial because mm. she was just little and yeah. they didn't really want to put her through that. Like, I, I get it. Um, it kind of sucks because, you know, he's going to get out. You know, he's yeah. going to get away with, like, but I can understand, like, why you want, because she was just a little girl and they didn't, like, want her to go through with it. And they just, like, went back to Mexico and said, yeah, we don't, yeah, we don't I'm want not, anything. Yeah, I'm not flying with that, though. No, because well, I'm just saying... It frees him to go do that again. I know, yeah. that, I know. That's the shitty thing. And it's like, there's really no winning in that situation. That's what's crappy about it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I understand why, you know, you have an eight-year-old daughter and you don't yeah. want to put her through that shit. But, like I said, you have to think of, like, the bigger picture, too. It's like, you know, if you don't testify, like, what if he gets out and, like, does it to somebody else? And then there's, like, more... Because he did do it to somebody else. Yeah, they, if they do that once, it's because that's part of them. They're going to continue doing it. Yeah, until they're, they're stopped. Yeah, there's not. They, they don't do that. Well, I'm just gonna do it once. No. And it's like, oh, that's enough for me. No. Yeah. It's part of their sexual orientation. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so she didn't testify. So what they ended up doing, um, because they didn't have the main witness, they're like, okay, well, we can't charge him with rape or attempted murder now. Uh, so they did convict him of child molestation, though. So they sentenced him to three years. So that was something, at least. However, uh, he only served 17 months, and then he got paroled, and this was in 1974. Now, he was only out for so less than two months he was out of jail, and then he got arrested again for sexually assaulting uh, a 13-year-old girl who has, as far as I know, um, I don't know if they've ever said her real name. They just called her Julie J., um, she was basically like waiting for, uh, the bus, like to go to school and he lured her into the car and, you know, kidnapped her and attacked her. So yeah. Now he, he lured her into the car. Um, that's the thing. Like uh, something like your dad sent me down here to get you. That kind I of, think that's how like he that. got the first girl. Yeah. Like he was like, Oh, well, you know, I know your parents. And they said, yeah, because that's something that like a lot of fucking child yeah. molesters and shit like that used to use. It's like, oh, you know, I, I know your mom and dad, and uh, they told me to come get you because they are they were in an accident or something like that. Like, I've seen them pull, trying to pull shit like that, you know? Man, fucking, I'll tell you what, when we were little kids down in California, we had that shit drilled into our heads by the time we were seven or eight, not to talk to strangers. Yeah. Yeah, same. I remember one time I was out there with Jimmy and Mike. Jimmy was the same age as me. He's probably about eight, and Mike was, little, was his older brother, who was probably about ten. And some dude in a car pulled up to us while we were out in the front front yard, and he just goes, he goes, hey, what? He goes, what's the name of this? What street is am I on? What street is this? We whoosh, we scattered, man, went yeah. all fucking. And and that dude, I don't, that dude probably didn't even mean, really mean anything. He probably just what's yeah, the name of this street? Yeah, but you don't want to get. We ain't get, talking to you. You don't want to get murdered. Yeah, whoosh, took off. I'd be like, yeah. I'd be standing way over here. I'm like, uh, yeah. it's on the sign. Can't you fucking yeah, read? No. Dude, you can't read. Maybe what, you shouldn't be driving. What the name of the street was. Yeah, that's something that they will do a lot, that yeah. they used to do. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. they would always kind of, like, pull up and be like, hey, I'm kind of lost. Yeah, yeah, and be yeah. like, oh, well, sucks to be you. Yeah. <laughs> Get a map. <laughs> I'm going home. But, yeah. So, but, yeah, I think for sure um, the, the girl that, uh, the first girl that he attacked, I'm pretty sure that he said something about that he knew her parents and shit like that. So, that he was going to take her someplace. But yeah, so um, so he attacks this 13-year-old girl, 
And he uh, went to prison this time for two years. And he got paroled again in 1976 or 1977. Now, so he's on parole and he has a parole officer in L.A. And for whatever reason... God, they, it, it seemed like even though the 70s was like the heyday of serial killers, there's some fucking serial killers running around like on every fucking corner. But everybody was just like so casual about just like letting, oh, sure, it's fine. Like, just let him out. <laughs> you know what I mean? They let him go to New York because he's like, oh, he's going to go visit relatives. And they're like, OK, it'll be fine. Even though they knew that he was a sexual offender they knew that he had taken off before, you know what I mean? Like after he committed, an awareness of it. They I, didn't. I, I remember in the '80s, on television, there were big campaigns to try to get the law and law enforcement and to get society to realize that sexual predators were a real thing and that they were all pretty much always repeat offenders. Yeah. And that was like something that was not in the public consciousness that these guys were like multiple sex offenders. They didn't. Yeah, I kind of feel like maybe they hadn't they really fully a, grasped yeah, that they situation. Really they, were they thought it was just a one-time thing. No, that's not what they were. They didn't know what they were dealing with. I think it took psychologists, criminal psychologists, to fucking try to kind of educate society and the system to who these things were. And they're things. They're not people. But yeah, that's the thing. So. The parole officer yeah. apparently no problem at all. Sure, go to New York and um, you know, and see your family or whatever. Yeah. Even though that obviously wasn't what he was doing. There's no difference between a serial killer and a serial rapist. It's the same thing. Just a serial killer kills the victim, so he can go on to rape. That's all it is. Yeah, I mean, and um, they they start off as peeping toms a lot of times and weird shit like that. They they always start off as a as a, as a sex offender, but they're they end up becoming serial killers usually. To just it's the same psychology over and over again. It's just different. It's just a, uh, it's a spectrum. They <clears throat> once they take that plunge and start killing people, they never come back. They get worse. Yeah, because they yeah. have to keep like ramping it yeah. up. Yeah. And now we're saying it's like a spectrum, and I'm not you know saying this to excuse anybody, but like sometimes you get people that are like peeping toms, or you know people that are like fucking flashers and shit like that. And that's all they do? Like, it's, that's as far as they go? Yeah, but it doesn't... Usually, serial killers have gone through those phases. But, yeah, but see, yeah. that's the thing. You never yeah. know if, never like, know. oh, they're just going to stay at that level, which is not yeah. a good level, but I'm just yeah. saying that it's, like, are they just going to stay there where they're, like, flashing their willy at people yeah. in their in cars and shit all the time yeah. or on the bus because I've run into a couple of those. Yeah. But, um, or is it just going to escalate? Because sometimes it does. But you and yeah. you never know. Like starts off so dudes, he's flashing, he's fucking showing people this shit, and then people learn to evade that. Then he gets into well, I'm gonna look at them, so he's looking in through people's windows, all right. And then it goes into I'm gonna go in that house, and that's and then it starts getting more dangerous. And then he goes I'm gonna go in that house and I'm gonna rape that woman, and then he does some time for it. And then the next time he goes I'm gonna go in that house and rape that woman, then kill her so I don't get sent back to prison. And then it starts the whole thing. You know, the killer part of it is pretty good, too. And that's a real common pattern. Yeah. And it just grows into that. They don't all do that, but that was evidently a pretty common pattern. Is uh, Serial rapists start off usually as, like, flashers and fucking... Uh, yeah, like, kind of more low-level, like... Yeah, and then they start going into people's sex houses. Sex offenders, yeah. yeah. And then they evolve into a serial kill killer. Yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah. 
Okay. So, um, so they let him go to New York, like I said. Now, they think, now, they didn't know this at the time. They found this out later on. But they think that about a week after he arrived in New York City, he murdered a woman, a 23-year-old Ellen, Ellen Jane Hover. Now, she was actually kind of a prominent uh, person. She was actually... Um, her dad owned Ciro's nightclub, like a really famous like nightclub in, in Hollywood. And Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. were her godfathers. Sir, so she was kind of like well known in certain like uh, social circles or whatever. So, um, but yeah, she turned up dead in her. Uh, they found her um, on a hillside, like on the Hudson River, in North Tarrytown in New York. And, uh, and they didn't know who killed her for a long time, but they figured out later that it was probably Alcala. And that was like about a week after he, um, arrived there from New York. Like he was, or arrived there from LA because he was on, uh, parole. Now, 1978, he goes back to LA for a time and he actually got a job, even though he's a multiple sex offender, he's on parole, all this other kind of shit. He gets a job at the Los Angeles Times, like, as a typesetter. Now, as I mentioned earlier, there was a bunch of high-profile serial killer cases going on at this time, among them the Hillside Strangler case. And Rodney Alcala, matter of fact, was interviewed by the Hillside Strangler Task Force because they were interviewing, like, all the sex offenders, like, in the area, like, to see who it was. And it was like, well... He wasn't the Hillside Strangler, but he was, like, another serial killer. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? Like, the fucking 70s, man. <laughs> serial killers everywhere. But, yeah. So, he got ruled out for that. Even though they did find out later on. They didn't find this out until later on, like I said. But, um, that one of the, one of the women that they attributed to the Hillside Strangler, they suspected was the Hillside Strangler, was actually Rodney Alcala. But they did interview him in the Hillside Strangler investigation because he was a sex offender and that's, they were interviewing all of them. But so, like I said, he's not the Hillside Strangler, but he was another fucking motherfucker. So during this time period was when he started doing his whole, hey, I'm a photographer shtick. And this act... Apparently it worked because he got a lot of people to pose for him. It wasn't just women. It was women, girls, um, teenage boys, like some younger men, like anybody that he could get to pose for him. And he took pictures of them and he took like thousands and thousands of pictures. Most of them, like, I feel like 90% of them were like porny. You know what I mean? Were like nudes or whatever. But but he was able to convince a lot of people that he was like this big shot photographer or whatever. And because like I said, he was working at the Los Angeles times. One of the people that worked there when he worked there, they said that he would like show people the photographs. So like people at work, like it's like, Hey, look at these. And they're like, okay, that's a little bit weird that you're showing us naked pictures of your, he's, he's like, of. Oh, I'm a photographer. He's proud of. So I guess that's how you could like get away with it. Maybe they were tasteful nudes. I don't know. I kind of got the feeling maybe not, okay. <laughs> but, and some of them, I think, well, that's what I mean. And I think <laughs> some of them were underage okay. too. So it's like that nowadays, like, alarms would be going off and everybody would, the calling, would be showing up. The feds would be showing up and shit like that. So, you know, but uh, back then, people were just like, uh, okay, yeah. Jack Torrance <laughs> Thank you, Jack Torrance. Yeah. Thank you. 
<laughs> Jack Torrance is in, is in the house. But yeah. So, um, but yeah, they did actually interview some of the women that he had photographed back then because he didn't kill all of them, thankfully. But um, they were just like, yeah, they just thought that he, w- you know, was a professional photographer. They didn't think anything that weird about okay, it. Okay, so they didn't see through the facade. But yeah, so, well, apparently a lot of people didn't because, like yeah. I said, he photographed like hundreds and hundreds of people. And it wasn't all just women and girls either. Like okay, it was, so he must have had some decent manners and mannerisms about him where he didn't kill them all. So he would just put, you know, if he guess if he liked her or maybe he didn't like her that much, he just took pictures of her. Maybe if he liked her a lot, he killed her. Yeah. Maybe something like that. I mean, and they suspect, too, that, like, some of the people he took pictures of, like, he might have killed them and they just haven't found them yet. Yeah. Another um, thing is, is that maybe he wanted to take pictures of some of them and then they started bailing out and he killed them. Might have been something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because they don't know how many people this motherfucker killed, right. and it's probably they probably never find out now because he's fucking dead. Although they did, um, they, you know, they did get his DNA, so they might be able to, like, match it, like, with cold cases and stuff, yeah. like, later on. But they did think that around this time period, there was um, a girl who was 15 at the time. Her name was Monique Hoyt, and uh, he was taking pictures of her, and he didn't kill her, but he, like, knocked her unconscious and raped her. So he did do that. Like, they're pretty sure he did that. And so, like I said, he might have he, killed other people, She too. got away, or he got away. She, how did she live? He didn't intend to kill her. I don't know. But she just... She Wait, you hit her with his fist? Don't know. Okay. He usually, um... I think in some of the cases, he used, like, metal bars or pipes or things like that. And he must he have was, thought he killed her. He was a strangler, also. Yeah, he must have thought he killed her. He was real into yeah. either strangling his bare hands, or he strangled people with, like, nylons and yeah. pant legs and shit like yeah. that. The only explanation for that is that he thought he killed her and left her for dead. Yeah. Unless you heard otherwise from that, from that case. No, I hadn't heard otherwise. Why, why bother? Why bother knocking her out? You know what I mean? If you're not going to kill her. Yeah. Why well, rape her if you're not going to kill her? You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Well, because you're, the reason why you kill him is so you don't do the time for the rape. Right. Okay, so if you're going to rape her, you're going to kill her. Well, like I said, that first little girl, that he's like the eight-year-old... Yeah. Um, he had intended to kill her, and they yeah. said that she would have died if the cops hadn't got there like right. quickly because the injuries were so severe. But she did live. Uh, Jack Torrance says, "Nice hair, Jenny. Thank you." It's not real hair; it's a no. wig. It's imaginary hair. <laughs> it's just for looks. <laughs> well, it's just because my real hair is kind of messy because I've been all, hair all day. looks anyway. Doesn't do it. Well, I guess it can kind of keep you warm. Kids keep your head warm. Yeah. Keeps keeps your brain... Head warm hair, though, that's like a mullet. That's not that good. <laughs> Fucking mullet. Yeah, you keep the back of my neck warm. <laughs> <laughs> Those dudes would part the shit down the middle and have the, swir- had, had the brush around the side. I know, I love like, it. Like the head was a circumcised penis. <laughs> dickhead, literally. <laughs> Remember those old fucking haircuts, man. I do, too. That's fucking... I don't understand it. I don't either. Yeah. But somehow, like, everybody had, like, collective psychosis where they all thought it looked good at the same time. Yeah. So. It's a, a delusion. Can you, yeah, can you imagine, like, seeing somebody delusions. else and being like, yeah, I want that. Do that to my hair. <laughs> I want a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mass delusion. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Juan just got here. Hi, Tom and Jenny. Hi there. Yeah. We didn't, we, we only started at 7.30, so yeah. we didn't, because like I said, I, I got a fucking full-time job now, so I'm yeah. not getting home till late at night. 
Um, all right, so now we're talking about the infamous dating game appearance. And keep in mind that this motherfucker has already raped and yeah. killed several people. And, and he old girl tried to kill her. And he killed several people after his appearance on the dating game also. But yeah. nobody knew this, even though he used his real name. You can see it on the, it's like I said, it's on YouTube. They didn't have Google back then. Yeah, and I guess they didn't check. And I guess it's just like the stupid dating game, so it's not like they're going to do a background check yeah, or no. nothing like that. No. But no, that's funny that he, well, that he he's using his real name on the dating game, and he's the same dude that beat that eight-year-old eight, eight girl near, nearly to death. Well, that's what's so fucking creepy about yeah. watching it, because you know that he did that. I guess he knew, well, the, the parents, they went back to Mexico. You know, that shit blew over. That was a long time ago. They'll think I'm a different guy. You know, same name, different guy. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it worked. Well, yeah. I mean, the, she did actually, when she grew up, like, she came and, like, uh, testified at one of his other trials, like, when she was growing up. Yeah, well, no, I'm saying so, it worked if they didn't, they didn't find him. Yeah. Yeah, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm kind of confused because the dating game, they didn't film it live, and I heard... Because I, I watched a couple documentaries about this, and I think on one of the documentaries they said that the taping of it was actually 10 months before the actual airing of it, which seems like a long lead time to me. But So I don't know if that's true, but I just remember hearing that because I was like, wow, that seems like a really long time. Because I thought they did them like just a couple weeks out, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. 10 months seems like a long time, so I don't really know. So this motherfucker shows up on the dating game. So the host's name was Jim Lang. And, um, there, you know, it's three bachelors and I don't know if you know how the game worked. It was like super fucking cheesy, but they had like, the bachelors were all like behind a screen. So like the bachelorette, uh, couldn't see them. She could just like ask them questions and she could like hear their voices and stuff. And then she had to pick one without like seeing them. And then they'd pay for them to go out on a date or whatever. So, so there's three guys on there and Rodney is, you know, bachelor number one. So he gets introduced as a quote-unquote successful photographer, um, and also that he was into motorcycling and skydiving, which I think was probably bullshit. He just wanted to seem like all daring and yeah, I jump out of things and and action oriented and shit like that. I'm like, whatever, dude. Yeah, because there's no no reports of him skydiving or riding a motorcycle. I mean, maybe he did. I don't know, but it's just like to me, it just seemed like he was trying to like be the show off. No, he likes that shit. He doesn't do it. He just likes it. Yeah, I like watching it on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like them chicks that fucking like uh, the online dating profiles. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I like skydiving and water skiing and climbing fucking Mount Everest. But they haven't done any of that shit. They just like it. Yeah, they just, they like thinking about they it. So like, maybe yeah, they'll do it yeah, one yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. They I, like watching other people do yeah, it. Yeah, I like climbing volcanoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a big advocate of like if you're gonna do a She's profile a trailer. <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna do a profile like that, just like write down what you really like. <laughs> right. Like yeah. what you really like. What you to do, do. What you like to do. What you actually do. It. What? Yeah, like what you like to do that you actually do instead of just. A don't, lot of them don't just don't be like aspirational. I like sitting on my couch watching Ricky Lake. Well, see, but it's like other people like to do that yeah, too. So it's like a bit more. Yeah, that's more what action. I mean. Because then at least you'll yeah. find somebody that likes to do the same yeah. shit as you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Don't try to be like all aspirational. You're gonna no. get busted. Yeah, it's like you know, there's like you don't know anything about skydiving. I like sitting around <laughs> smoking blunt, <laughs> smoking crack. 
that's what I mean. There's something. There's somebody for everybody. Yeah. So you just got to be honest. That's all. Don't don't try to be like all fucking <laughs> like all special. Ride motorcycles and skydiving unless you actually do that. I know some people do I'm actually fine. do that, but yeah. I just got the feeling that he was trying to like be show offy. So um, so yeah. Now here's what's gross. Like I was watching the dating game appearance. I've seen it a couple of times. And the whole thing about the dating game, this, this, the 70s, man, it, they had the same thing with, like, the newlywed game and all that kind of crap, where they would, um, all of the questions and answers and stuff were, like, super, like, all, like, double entendre, like, sexual in, innuendos and stuff, and everybody just thought that was hilarious, which it's really not. It's, like, really cringy. Well, they had censorship back then. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. well, it actually... It, wasn't, it was actually a lot more lax back then than it is, I think. Well, I don't know if I'd say that, but it's just like, I don't know. It's just like, the, the shit's just like so, it's so cheesy. It's yeah. so cheesy. Yeah, it's so television. the question that, um, her name is Cheryl Bradshaw. That was the name of the, um, the woman that was the bachelorette. And the question she asked him was something like, um, you know, you're, what is it? I'm, I'm going to eat you or you're a food or something like that. Like what, like what food are you and what are you like or what do you taste like or something like that? And he just has, like, this fucking smarmy-ass expression, and he's like, I'm a banana, mm -hmm. and I taste really good. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like... Ugh. Okay. Whatever. I'm just like, oh, that was creative. He wasn't too creative. Oh, he's a banana. Yeah. Yeah, it's a dick joke. Yeah. I was like, that's about what I'd expect. And then uh, she said something, like... And she seemed, like, kind of interested in it, because I guess she doesn't have any standards, but... <laughs> you know, I'm just... No, I'm just kidding. But, um... But then she asked, like, a follow-up question... And and he said like he said peel me, and I was like, no thank you, no, no thank you. I, I would rather not do that. Um, and then also, she also asked him. God, they asked him like the weirdest fucking questions. And she said, I want you to role play as like a dirty old man, or something. I'm like, okay. I was like, what? Jesus, the drugs back then. Yeah. <laughs> they were afraid. I was like, why would you even think to ask that? So he was just like back there going, come over here, like that. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is so fucking gross. So yeah. So there was two other guys on there too. Um, but, you know, she was apparently all about Rodney from his banana answer. Because <laughs> she was just like, ooh, bananas. But... Um, when, cause like I said, she couldn't see him. She could only like hear him and like hear like her, his answers to her questions. So later on he, like she picked him. So he won. And then they, uh, were going to send him on. I think they were going to go to what's that fucking theme park. They were going to send him to this theme park and they do like tennis lessons and that kind of shit. Cause you know, seventies, it's yeah. all about tennis lessons back then. Yeah. Tennis lessons and fondue parties. And yeah, crazy shit. <laughs> fucking love hotels. <laughs> love hotels and shit like that. Yeah. And, uh, and that. Fucking Singapore slings. <laughs> they probably would have. Yeah. However, uh, once Cheryl Bradshaw interacted with uh, Rodney Alcala backstage, uh, she went to the producers and said, um, I'm not going out on a date with him. He's creepy. Yeah. Which I was like, yeah, you don't know the half yeah. of it. So, uh, yeah, she dodged a fucking bullet on that one, literally. So she didn't have to go with him? No, she didn't go. Because okay. she, she went out again. She said once she like actually interacted with him in person, yeah, like, oh. she was like, oh, no. Yeah. No, no, no. 
And actually, the other two guys, actually, on a documentary I saw that I think came out in 2017, and they actually had the uh, one of the other guys that was yeah. um, that was on the show, like yeah. the, the Bachelor. He was an actor, and um, he's like, "Yeah, I thought he was like pretty weird too." Like when we were talking in the green room and stuff, they said he just was real weird, and it's like he had just like really. He said he had bizarre opinions. Right. That's what he said. Um, and he just said he just seemed, I don't know, just like really. And he said he seemed like one of those dudes that like, um, that acted like he knew everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he was one of those like, like so I said, like, the, like overconfident. Right. Yeah, and totally. he was just like, so he's like real obnoxious and like just, he's just like, I don't know. I just didn't yeah. like him. He just like rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. Weird. So a lot of people like notice it. But like when he was on the show, you know, apparently nobody thought anything. But once people were interacting with him one by one, they were just like, e- "Yeah." What, no, what, what his bizarre opinions were? They're probably about women. I'm yeah. I'm imagining that's why that's yeah. why the guy brought it up. Yeah. But yeah, he probably said some real interesting yeah, shit it's about women. Yeah, it's probably. Now, some people have speculated that um, the fact that Cheryl Bradshaw, like that, that he won the show, and then later on she reneged on it and said, "No, I'm yeah. not going out with that creepy ass motherfucker." That maybe this caused his shit to escalate. Hmm. I don't know though, because I kind of feel like he'd killed people before this. Yeah, they would just need to be escalated. So I don't really know. He I mean, it's possible. Old. And the thing about it is that, like, because some, you know, some like researchers, you know, psychiatrists or whatever, have said that well, you know, he does have psychopathic tendencies, and a lot of times psychopaths have a hard time with rejection. Like, especially like when a woman rejects them, um, they don't really. Because they don't really have, like, any insight. Like, oh, maybe I did something, like, to piss her off or something like that. They're like, oh, there's something wrong with her. Like, fucking women. You know what I mean? They kind of go in that direction. So, I don't know. I, I, I think it's maybe too easy to say that just because he got rejected on the dating game, like, afterward, that uh, that, that like, caused the escalation of the crimes. Yeah. I think I, those dudes know that there's something wrong with them, though. Like when a woman rejects them, I think they're already pre-rejected. They know that they're. They, I think those guys know that they're different, but they don't want to admit that to themselves, so they just fucking turn it around on back on everybody else. That's what I think. They have to know that they're different, or they wouldn't do the things that they're doing. Just you know. That's the thing, though. It's like, but we, but we were talking about that earlier. Like, how much insight do they really have about their own psychology or their own behavior? I think they know that they're different, or they wouldn't be hiding what they're doing. They, yeah, they, that's they, true. Because they, they do know what they're doing is yeah. wrong. Otherwise, they would just be like fucking yeah. doing it all the. Yeah, be doing it in the open. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the definition of that's how you get an insanity defense if you're yeah. just because you're like obviously you don't know that or you don't care if it's wrong or you don't know. They it's know wrong. that they're different, but they know there's nothing they can do about it, and uh, they like the way that they are, so they just kind of lash out at everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't believe they don't like me fucking raping and killing these bitches. This is ridiculous. That's what they're. That's that's like that. Yeah, I, I believe it. Yeah, look at D'Angelo. Yeah, that's the way fucking D'Angelo was like that. Yeah, breaking into your house, fucking with, fucking killing you and your husband and shit. And he thought it was ridiculous that he couldn't do that. Yeah, hell, are you crazy? Yeah. Why is everybody crazy? Why is everybody, my style, man? Yeah, yeah. Fucking hold me back, man. I yeah. need to be me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we'd rather you not be you. Yeah. Okay. You just you just tone that down. Can't believe it. <laughs> Why are you so prejudiced? <laughs> this is yeah. bullshit. What about my freedom? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. Exactly. That's they're like the epitome of that kind of motherfucker. Yeah. What yeah. about my freedom to go yeah, around yeah, raping yeah. and killing that's people? Right, that's, right. that's yeah. I imagine one of them is like gonna fucking try that. Oh yeah. It's like I'm I'm just waiting for the day one of them tries to argue that shit in court, you know. Well, I can take I can take the worst elements within myself and magnify them and, and and apply them to that situation and that's what I would be doing. So that's what they're doing. Yeah, I know. That's, you know. And that's not pulling that out of nowhere. No, it's, I know. You know I I've known people that thought yeah. that way. Like not not about right. rape and murder that I know right. of, most but people, you know what I mean. Most people do that. They just don't do it in that situation, to that ex- right. to, to to that degree, you know, but that's what they're doing, it, you know, it's got to be. Well, and like I said, I we and I think we've mentioned this before, and like I said, this is very very general, but I do feel like in very very general terms, usually men tend to project stuff outward, mm-hmm. as they tend to project blame outward. Like if something goes wrong, oh. That motherfucker did, did it. Whereas women tend to project it inward. I fucked up. I'm I'm messed up. I'm yeah. you know I I'm a terrible person or I you know don't know how to do anything. So that's and you know obviously there's a lot of variation on that. But I kind of feel like serial killers, that kind of stuff, or people with that kind of attitude, that's like the an extreme of that because you're just blaming everybody else. Well, you know, you see it a lot with like mass shooters and stuff like that, where it's yeah. like they're gonna blame the whole fucking world. Or look at like motherfuckers like Elliot Roger or something like that. Exactly. I'm going to kill all the women, like people I don't even fucking know because one girl wouldn't talk to me or something like that. Like he, like everybody yeah. has a responsibility to him. Yeah, that dude was something else, man. Yeah, yeah like he really yeah. seemed to think that everybody had yeah. a responsibility to him to like, oh, yeah. well, I, you know, I'm good looking and I have a car and I have, yeah. so obviously women should just like come to me and it's yeah. like he didn't really think that he had to do anything other than that. And so the and fact that... was awkward as shit too. And the fact that, like, yeah. people weren't just, like, falling down at his feet or, being or like, calling him up or paying attention to him, like, yeah. somehow that was everyone else's fault. Yeah. And the dude is obviously insane. He's got some kind of a mental... Uh, problem. yeah. It's obvious, you know. Um, but no, that that's what they're doing. They're like, you know, I can't believe these bitches, you know. I'm just trying to kill a motherfucker up in here. I mean, they're bad. They know they're bad. It's got to be done. It, it, that's what, you know, the Green River Killer, I think, was kind of like that. They're just hookers, you know. Yeah. Somebody's got to do it. Everybody else does it. It's it's that. That's the yeah. thing. That that's what they're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's how they yep. justify it to themselves. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, I like I understand it. I understand yeah. it because I've heard people talk like that. Like not murderers, but I have heard people like talk like have that kind of attitude. So I understand that people like I don't. I don't understand it personally because I don't think like that. It's just but an I, uh, version but, of she shouldn't have worn that skirt. It's that same fucking thing. Yeah, I know. She it's shouldn't like, be dressing like that. Everybody knows you're not supposed to dress like that out in public at late at night in this part of town when I'm around. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's that's their the, fault. Yeah, yeah, it's their fault. Yeah. She knew I'd be here. You know, it's, it's <laughs> right. that kind of shit. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like yeah. that's probably. She got what she deserved. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's very She common. made me do it. That's very common. Yeah, and yeah. not just among serial killers either. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of people think like that. Yeah. It's just that the extre- serial killers are taking it to Even extreme. Even though you're wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah, extreme. Yeah, yeah. If you think like it's that, it's just you're a wrong, childish wrong. way of thinking of it. It is. It's it childish. is very childish. That's what they're doing. Well, it's, um, it's, a, it's a, um, like I said, I, th- I think it is kind of childish because yeah. you're kind of seeing everything from your, your very self absorbed yeah. self. Yeah. 
you know, you don't exactly. understand that like other people are also having their own will, have their, their own, own will and their own thing to do. It's like everybody just has to yeah. cater to you. Like world yeah. revolves around you, which, yeah. like I said, is a very very childlike You're right. yeah. way of thinking. Yeah. Like you can't. Most people grow out of that, but some people never. Do. No, but that's what I'm seeing with most of these serial killers. Is that? Yeah, it's it's a yeah. it's a type of entitlement, right? Because they want something, that means that they are entitled to it. Yep. You know. They don't, they don't think, well, that girl didn't, like, <laughs> she did, She was just, like, living her own life, you know? Yeah. She didn't, like, ask to be at the end of your whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, so, yeah. So, not long after the dating game appearance, there was a 12-year-old girl uh, from Huntington Beach in California. Her name was Robin Samso. And she was on the beach one day with a friend of hers, and she actually had to go to her ballet class. This was June 20th, 1979. And she was running a little bit late for her ballet class, so she actually borrowed um, a yellow Schwinn bicycle from her friend so she could ride the bike there. However, somewhere along the way, she disappeared. They found her body decomposed 12 days later in the foothills of Los Angeles. Now, later on, when they talked to uh, Robin Samso's friend that she'd been with on the beach, she said, yeah, there was this weird guy that, like, came up to us, like, earlier in the day and was asking to take pictures of us. These were, like, 12-year-old girls. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, we want to do, like, a swimsuit model type of thing. And they're just like, okay, like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck ever? Like, they thought it was weird. Um, Now, interestingly, the friend was able to give the cops uh, a description, and I've seen the sketch, and it looks almost exactly like him. So I was like, damn, way to go, kid. That was like a really good description, uh, because the sketch is very, very similar to him. Now, uh, interestingly, Alcala's parole officer was the one that recognized, like, hey, that's like he saw the sketch, and he's like, hey, that's Rodney. Well, hey, hold on. How did he get get, get that girl separate from the other one? Because the other girl was going to her ballet class. Oh, okay. So she so she left her there alone. Right, right, right. Well, cause, okay. yeah. Cause, well, the friend... Yeah. The friend was on the beach. They were okay. on the beach together. Yeah. Rodney had come up to them and said, hey, I want to take your picture. And they yeah, were like, yeah, no. Leave. And then she's like, oh, I got to okay. go to my ballet class. Can okay. I borrow your bike? And she took off on the bike. Okay. But then that was she the last didn't. Time she saw and that was the last time. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. So the parole officer uh, recognized him from the sketch. And so uh, called the cops and said, hey, I know that motherfucker. So then they went to Ronnie Alcala's mom's house. His mom lived in Monterey Park. And uh, in the house, they actually found a rental receipt for a Seattle storage locker. Now, in this locker, they found earrings belonging to Robin Samso, the Mm. victim. Uh, actually, the I think the earrings were her mom's, but she had been wearing them that day. They were like little gold, like ball earrings. So Rodney Alcala gets arrested in July of 1979 and, um, you know, held without bail. In 1980, he was put on trial and he got convicted of this one murder and he was sentenced to death. But the California Supreme Court overturned it, the death sentence. Because, I guess, like, the the jurors, they had told the jurors about his prior sex crimes, like the rape and stuff that he had done, like, on uh, Tali Shapiro and all that other kind of stuff. And I guess that was, like, supposed to be inadmissible, because that's kind of how they do in some of the cases, is you're not supposed to, because it prejudices the jury, yada, blah, Mm -hmm. yada, blah. 
So I guess the jury had been informed about those. And so they said, well, he didn't really get a fair trial. So they overturned the death sentence. Now, it so happened that in 1986, they put him on trial again for the same crime. And it went pretty much the same way, except they didn't tell the jury about the prior sex crimes. But he got convicted and sentenced to death again. So that's the second time. But then in 2001, um, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, they overturned the second conviction because of some weird fucking technicality. Um, the technicality had something, I'm not real clear on why this was, but apparently there was, um, Rodney Alcala argued that the park ranger who had found Robin Samso's body, like in the foothills, had been hypnotized by the police. And the fact that he supposedly had a witness that was willing to argue that wasn't allowed to, I don't know, like wasn't allowed to like speak at the trial was like enough to, I don't know if that was the only thing, but there was some kind of like technicality where they, the appeals court like overturned the second death sentence, the second conviction. So at this point, fucked up. well, at this point, okay. So in 2003, like, uh, Orange County and Cal, they're like, we are going to get this motherfucker. God damn it. It's like, so they are like, we're going after him again. Same thing. Like, so it's the third, third prosecution. This was in 2003. And then they found out that, um, Rodney Alcala's DNA had been sampled under that state law where if you get arrested for, because I think most states have this now, where if you get arrested for a sex crime, they automatically take your DNA so they can check you against like other sex crimes because, you know, usually it's not just one. They've usually done a bunch of them. So, um, and apparently Rodney Alcala, for obvious reasons, uh, was not a big fan of this taking your DNA when you get arrested for a sex crime, but fuck him because (laughs) that's how they knew that he did like some of these other ones. So they, so they found out that they had collected his, um, his DNA. So they said, well, we're going to go through like all these cold cases. We're going to like put some more shit on here and make sure that he gets convicted this time. And it sticks. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's like the third time. So they actually found out that, um, they had a cold case DNA match in, uh, 2004. So they matched him to like a bunch of other cases so what they did was they were going to um, try him for the Robin Samso murder again, like the 12-year-old. And then um, through the DNA, they actually piled on like four more cases that they had matched his DNA to. And these were uh, an 18-year-old woman named Jill Barcombe. She was um, originally from New York. She was a runaway. But she was actually killed in Los Angeles in 1977. Um, she was the one that they originally thought the Hillside Strangler had killed her, but no, it was Rodney Alcala. They matched his DNA to it. Um, also a 27 year old woman named Georgia Wickstead. Uh, she was actually killed in her, uh, apartment in Malibu, also in 1977. Um, a 31 year old named Charlotte <coughs> Lamb. She'd been raped and strangled and she was actually left dead in the laundry room of her apartment complex in El Segundo. That was 1978. And uh, Jill Parento, that was, uh, she was 21, and she was killed in her apartment in Burbank in 1979. So those were four more that they know that he did because they were DNA matched. So they said, well, we're going to add those four on, so we're going to do five, like all in this. I wonder how he got into people's apartments and into people's laundromats. He just walked around and walked into people's apartments. 
Or did he, was he using his fucking photography gigs to get in there? Yeah, it might have been. And, uh, I mean, from, (coughs) he must have been at least superficially, like I said, much like Ted Bundy, I guess. He must have been at least superficially confident, charming, yada, yada, because most people, and it's interesting because I was watching, they were actually talking about his dating game appearance, but they said, um, it was interesting that, you know, when he was just trying out for the show, when he was on the show, like on camera, like he seemed pretty normal. Like he seems creepy to us now because we know who he is and what, like we know what he did. But I think if you were just like watching it, I don't think you would have noticed anything different, but they said, interestingly, when people started interacting with him one-on-one, like behind the scenes in the green room or whatever, then they started to notice that he was creepy, but he was able to put up a facade of being normal for at least a short time, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I kind of feel like it was maybe that kind of situation where he was like a photographer and he didn't seem creepy at first. And he's just like, maybe he seemed really professional, but then by the time, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes had gone by and you'd interacted with him and you're like, Oh my God, I think there's something wrong with this dude. Then it might be like too fucking late. You know what I'm saying? So he was able to like act normal for long enough to like get people into his clutches you know? Yeah. So I kind of feel like maybe that was the situation. The fucked up thing about these four women that he killed, um, he was one of those motherfuckers where he would, cause like I said, he'd usually strangle them and he'd like kind of fuck around with them where they'd kind of strangle them with his hands. And then like, he'd just let them go unconscious and let them wake up. And then he'd like do their nylons and shit like that. Um, he would also, after he killed them, he also like posed them. He was one of those motherfuckers. Um, Doing the the lewd poses and everything. Yeah, like that kind of shit. Yeah. That kind of shit. So, yeah. Uh, So, interestingly, while he was in jail, like, while they were preparing... Because, like I said, the third conviction, they really wanted it to stick. So, they said, well, you know, he's been... It's been overturned two times just for that one poor little 12-year-old girl. So, that's why they were trying to find more crimes that he had done so they could, like, stack them up. You know what I mean? So, he wouldn't, like, get away. So, while he was in jail, while they were preparing the third trial, uh, Rodney Alcala wrote and published a book, because of course he did, uh, called You, the Jury. And uh, he said that he had not killed Robin Samso, um, and said somebody else did it. I don't know who he said did it, because I'm not going to read the shit. Um, Also, this is special, he also... um, filed some lawsuits against the California penal system. Uh, One lawsuit was because they wouldn't give him a low-fat diet. (laughs) And one lawsuit was because he said that he slipped and fell, like, in the prison. So... I slipped and fell, you bitches. Yeah, I think both of them were. I'm not getting my low-fat diet. You're trying (laughs) to kill me from cholesterol. That's, yeah, that's essentially what he was arguing. Yeah. See, and that's another thing that these motherfuckers always do. Like, the second they get caught, then they just start crying. Yeah. You know what I mean? They just start whining about this, that, and the other thing. Holy crap. So, yeah. So, in 2003, the prosecutors were finally like, okay, we're going to do five victims. Now, what they're, now, Alcala and his attorneys did not want that to happen, obviously, because they're like, okay, well, it's going to be a lot harder to get him off on these charges if there's five of them and four of them have actual DNA evidence. I'm like, well, yeah, that's that's the deal. You know what I mean? That's that's what they're trying to do. But they, you know, they were mad. But anyway, they let it go on. They're like, yeah, you can do all five. 
So um, they took it all the way to the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court said no. You can you can stack them all together. So they um, so 2006 uh, they the Supreme Court said okay, you can go ahead with it. But then it was another several few like another several years. So it wasn't actually till 2010 uh, that Rodney Alcala stood trial for those five murders. Now, as I mentioned, I don't think he did this at the first two trials, which maybe you know I, I'm not really sure why he didn't, but. For the third trial, the big one, he uh, decided he was going to act uh, as his own attorney. Like, you know, much like Ted Bundy did. So he gets up there. This is fucking crazy. So he gets up there and he actually, like, cross-examined himself in two different voices. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he'd go and he'd, like, ask, he'd make his voice deeper and like, Mr. Alcala, did you blah, blah, blah? And then he'd be like, oh, well, I did the thing. And you know what I mean? And like, he did that kind of shit. And I'm like, okay, that's way to make yourself seem like a normal person to the yeah. jury. I'm like, everyone's like, oh, my God, this motherfucker's fucking crazy. If I saw somebody doing that in the fucking courtroom, I'm like, okay, guilty. <laughs> guilty. <laughs> Please put them away. Jesus Christ. So, yeah. So, he did that. Um, and then also, the only excuse that he could come up with for... He's like, oh, well, he didn't kill uh, the little girl, Robin Samso, because, oh, I was at Knott's Berry Farm. I was applying for a job as a photographer there, so it couldn't have been me. And so then they were like, well, yeah, but what about the other four that we have your DNA from? Yeah. Um, and he's just like, um, I don't remember. Yeah. That was basically his defense. I don't remember killing them. Yeah. So I, so I couldn't have. Couldn't I'm like. Me. Okay. Yeah, DNA, yeah, that's good, all something. Good job. Good job, That's something white people made up. <laughs> good job, yeah, It's just the white people made it up. Yeah. I guess. No, no DNA. Yeah, he didn't... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was all he'd come up with. That was yeah, all he'd yeah. come up with. He was either at Knott's Berry Farm and I didn't kidnap the little girl, and then yeah. the other ones, he's like, I don't remember doing that. White people making up DNA. White people making up outer space. Satellites making that all up. Yeah, we made it all up. Made it all up. <laughs> Earth's flat. Satellites <laughs> are up there just balloons, man. They're just using them with balloons. They, they're, they're shooting the balloons down all the time now. No orbit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I just like the I like the uh, Luddite. Yeah. Non-technology motherfuckers. I've run into people that don't believe in their DNA. Yeah, I, like, I don't yeah. really believe in DNA. You don't even really believe in DNA. Guess uh, what? It doesn't give. It doesn't matter if you believe it or yeah, not. <laughs> DNA believes in you. Yeah. Okay. No one gives a shit if you believe it or yeah, not. It's still there. Sorry. <laughs> I don't. Well, yeah. that's the thing. I don't. I don't really know. Just, well, it's just. Up. Well, it's just kind of like all those people that like didn't believe in evolution. I said, yeah. I don't give a shit if you don't believe in it. It happened. Yeah. You know, it's and you're just wrong. You can believe whatever you want, but you know, it's okay. As, like I said, w whether you yeah. believe it or not is completely immaterial because you're fucking nobody. So, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, so, yeah. Also, this was this is fun. He also, in the closing arguments, uh, he didn't really have a closing argument as such. However, he did play uh, the song Alice's Restaurant by Arlo Guthrie mm -hmm. and uh, specifically pointed out some of the details. It's like an anti-Vietnam song, in case you haven't heard it. It's very famous, the song is. Um and basically there's a part in the song where there's like lyrics about wanting to kill and stuff like that. And he just like played that and was just kind of like, huh? Huh? Yeah. And everybody's like, okay. Yeah. So there was that. 
Um, so yeah, the jury, <laughs> wisely, deliberated for less than two days. And then they're like, yeah, guilty. All five counts. Jesus Christ. Uh, and as I said, at this particular trial, they also got um, his original victim, the eight-year-old girl that lived, um, Tali Shapiro. She actually came and testified at this trial, too. Like, she's a grown-up now, obviously. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so she came and uh, did that. And they hadn't told them. She was, like, a surprise witness. So that might have, you know, it probably didn't help, like I said, that he was, like, trying to advocate for himself because he clearly came across like a fucking nutcase actually when he got older like he just let his hair grow out and then it went totally white and he looked kind of like a fucked up weird serial killer howard stern a little bit yeah yeah i was thinking that (laughs) fucking howard stern before stern turned into a pelican because he looks like a pelican now I haven't seen him in a long time. But it's just like, it was mostly just the hair that was reminding me. Like the hair and kind of like the thin face. Yeah. Like kind of reminded me of Howard Stern. Because he had like that long, like curly hair like that. Yeah, poor old Howard Stern. He used to fucking make fun of this old dude named Don Imus for being an old stick in the mud fucking retro DJ. He'd be fucking with Don Imus 24-7. And that's exactly who Howard Stern has turned into. He's turned into Don Imus. For you old Stern fans, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Fucking Stern. Poor guy. Irrelevant. Okay. Well, everybody gets irrelevant. Yeah, everybody becomes old, irrelevant. Yeah. Pretty much. That's just the way of the it's world. It's hard to stay so, irrelevant when you get old. Yeah. it's That's yeah. just the way it is. Yeah. I, hate, I hate to tell you. Uh, but yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So he got convicted, thankfully, and got sentenced to death for the third time. Yeah. So, and, they, and it actually stuck that time. So they actually, like, threw him on death row. Now, as I mentioned... In, uh, like, earlier on, in March of 2010, um, the New York City Police Department and the Huntington Beach, California Police Department, they released 120 of um, Rodney Alcala's photographs that they'd found in one of his, uh, in his storage locker, or his storage um, unit that they found. And they uh, were looking for, you know, they wanted people to help them, like, identify these because they didn't know who any of these people were. It's like some of these people might be dead. It's like might be other victims. It may be, you know, uh, maybe they're buried somewhere and missing. We don't know. It might be cold cases. So they were trying to, like, get everybody to, like, help them out. Um, there were 900 photos that, as I mentioned earlier, could not be shown because they were uh, sexually explicit now, uh, after they first made the photos public, uh, 21 women came forward and identified themselves. Uh, so they were still alive, obviously. Because um, that would be weird if they were dead and they identified themselves. But um, they also had six families come forward um, and say that they recognized uh, the women in the photos, but that the women were missing. Like, that they disappeared. So... They, so they don't know, like I said, exactly how many people Rodney Alcala killed because there are a lot of photographs and they don't know who all of those people are. Now, none of the people in the photos were connected definitively to any missing person or unsolved murder case until 2013. Uh, a family member recognized one of the photos as um, a woman named Christine Thornton, who was 28. They actually found her body in Wyoming in 1982, uh, and so that was that was the only one so far that they've uh, matched up. So, as of I think there's still 110 of the photos up, like online now. I think it's on the FBI website and maybe on the um, New York City Police Department and stuff. So you can go there and look and see if you recognize anybody because they're still looking for 
Um, you know, because there's still a lot of these people that are not identified and they don't know if those people are murder victims or what. Now, so what ended up happening after he got um, sentenced to death in 2010, um, the New York authorities were like, well, you know, he killed people there too, obviously, but they're like, well, he's already in prison. So it's like, there's not really any point in pursuing him for the murders here because he's already on death row there. Um, but they did actually, a grand jury did indict him like in absentia for, um, murdering Cornelia Crilly and Ellen Hoover, um, in 1971 was the first one in the 1977. Uh, and then he actually did get extradited to New York, um, for that, but they, he entered a plea of not guilty, but they, you know, he was guilty anyway. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I think he like changed his plea to guilty like later on. And then he got another 25 years, like, on top of that. But like I said, he's, you know, he was on death row. Uh, there were also, they think that he might have killed, um, because they have a few other cases that they think that he might have been responsible for. Uh, there was a 13-year-old girl named Antoinette Whitaker who was killed in July of 1977. That, and they think that he might have done that. And a 17-year-old girl named Joyce Gaunt. That was February 1978. Uh, so they think he might have been involved in that as well. There was also a disappearance. I don't believe they found her body, but it was a 20-year-old woman named Cherry Ann Greenman. That was in 1976 in September. Um, and they uh, they think that he was probably involved in uh, those. And they found, like I said, in his storage locker, they not only found like all his photos, but they also found jewelry like belonging to some of the victims as well. And some of the jewelry like earrings and stuff had DNA on it, which is how they were able to like match them. So basically, uh, there was also another murder that happened in 1977, a 19-year-old girl named Pamela Jean Lamson, and she actually went to Fisherman's Wharf and then disappeared. They think that, um, you know, and she was going there like to model for somebody. So they think probably um, that he killed her as well. Yeah, because they actually did find her like all beat up and raped like later on, like near a hiking trail. Um, they didn't find any DNA on or anything like that, but yeah, that did sound like his MO. So he also got in September of 2016, they're just like adding the fucking charges on. He got charged with another murder, uh, 28 year old Christine Thornton, who I think I mentioned earlier, she disappeared in 1977. Uh, and they recognized her as like in one, a relative recognized her in one of the, uh, photos that they had made, um, public. Now her body was actually found at 82, like I said, but she wasn't identified until, 2015. Now, Rodney Alcala, when they asked him about it, he said, oh yeah, I took that picture, but he wouldn't admit to like killing her. Uh, she was actually six months pregnant when she was murdered. Hmm. Uh, so yeah. Now, <clears throat> they were going to extradite him to Wyoming to um, stand trial for that particular murder, but at that point he was 73 and he was in very ill health, and so he didn't make the journey. So it happened that in July of 2021, this motherfucker finally dropped dead at the age of 77, unspecified natural causes. So even though he was on death row, he never did get executed. He just fucking died. And, um, you know, I was, <laughs> I was watching this documentary, like I said, from 2017. So Rodney Alcala was still alive then. And one of the investigators that worked on the case was like very, he was unequivocal about 
he's like, man, I hope he's suffering. Yeah. He's like, I heard he was in ill health. I hope he's suffering. And it's like, I hope one day I could soon that I could just wake up and like he'll be fucking gone and I don't have to hear about him anymore. Mm. <laughs> when nobody has to like, you know what I mean? Because he had been the one that had been like dealing with the families of like the kids that he killed and shit like that. And he's just like not having it. So, yeah. So everybody was like pretty. I'm sure everybody was like pretty fucking happy when that motherfucker died. But yeah, he died in uh, 2021. So kind of like a Bundy type yeah. offender. It's funny how he's not as famous as Bundy. I guess uh, there wasn't as much of him, uh, you know, uh, recorded in the newsrooms. You know what I mean? They didn't, uh, he Bundy kind of did some exciting shit where he's jumping out the back windows of fucking courthouses and going on the run for a while. Bundy was a little bit more of an exciting story. Also, his murders were more uh, lurid. So maybe that's why this guy really doesn't get the notoriety. And we don't, they don't know how many of them he killed. Bundy killed a lot more. Or they know that Bundy killed a lot more than this. Yeah, this guy, I mean, this guy could have killed a lot more, but they're not really sure because it's like even up until the time he died, they kept like finding more ones yeah. and being like, yeah, this was probably him too. Kind of un, It's kind of unusual for a serial killer not to uh, get caught and then want to take claim all, claim all the credit for all the ones that he killed. They usually like to get all the credit. But this dude here, he's probably a control type freak. His only means his only means of control over the authorities at this point is to withhold information. So he was one of those. Yeah, a lot of motherfuckers. He was like, I ain't telling you nothing. You know what I mean? And that was his power. He was locked up. But he wasn't using it to barter or to negotiate. So it was something pathological more than practical. Because he should have known that he wasn't going to walk. He'd have gotten rewards if he was in prison had he become a confession machine. And says, I'll tell you what, there's another murder I did. I'll tell you about it. But I, I want out of here. I want McDonald's. You know what I mean? Shit like that. Worked for Henry Lee Lucas. Yeah. Over and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, is if, he, if he's actually delivering and giving, giving names and pointing them out in the pictures and he's going, this one right here, I left her body over here. You know, Then, then they, that would actually give him incentive to later on where he could do it again. He says, I think I'm ready to tell you about another one. You know, that's he could have played that game for his final years. Yeah. And gotten gotten out going on little trips and shit outside the prison. But this guy really doesn't strike me as like uh real brilliant. He kind of strikes me as being dumb. Yeah. Some of some of the shit that he did like moving around but then using his real name after he's committed crimes and wanted under that name that's and then going on game shows that's not being bold that's being dumb yeah so uh, he didn't know how to use what he had once he got caught like you know BTK he's caught if he was able to hold if he if he'd had other murders that you know if he was holding those underneath his fucking close to his chest he could come out every now and then and goes oh by the way there's one of them you don't know about you know and then he'd be able to go on tour yeah because i feel like know? a lot of them do that right because like you said it's it's an ultimate power play right yeah and i think you know uh investigators know that yeah. but they're like look we just want the bodies found you yeah. know what i mean we just right, want yeah. more shit to pin on you yeah so it's like you can play these little power games all you want yeah <laughs> well they want to get out of the prison they want to go see outside they want to go to mcdonald's they want to get attention you know they want people to fucking talk to them 
So and and then they're going to give the uh, they're going to give them a case in exchange, and then you know they can fucking play it against the cops. They're like, don't you want this family to have peace to finally know what happened? You know what I mean? And they're going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're going to do what he says. Yeah. Especially if he delivers. If he delivers on one, then he could do it over and over and over again. And this dude probably had a whole bunch of murders he probably could have done that with. At least five. You can milk five over over a decade, over a period of a decade, easily. Yeah. Two, One case every two years? Yeah. So, and uh, I have a feeling he did substantially more, more than that. There's probably a lot more. I mean, they know for sure that it was eight, but it's like yeah. there was a lot more that they suspect him of. Well, just that one you told me the girl disappeared once for a photo shoot and then found on that footpath. He yeah, did that. I'm pretty sure he probably the, the did The dates, that. the location, the MO, that was his. And there's going to be a bunch more. Yeah, I, I suspect that there's If a he was killing there. women in laundry rooms in the apartment complexes and up in their apartments, that means he was doing peeping Tom shit, going into their houses or talking his way into people's houses too. So they weren't all that M.O. That was only part of his thing. He, yeah. he had more than one probably. And they, they only cracked the photography M.O. Because that was, you know, it was an easy one to get him on. Yeah. But he may have had another one, you know, looking for my lost dog or... I'm looking for my wife, that type of shit, you know. Why are you in my apartment? This isn't this isn't your apartment, you know that kind of shit. Yeah, because I'm sure they have yeah. like a whole little bag of tricks, yeah, yeah, yeah. that they use. What do you like, mean this get... is your apartment? Oh, they changed the numbers or something, you know. A serial killer would come up with anything just to throw somebody off balance for a few seconds to get an advantage. Somebody open the door and then boom, then they fucking get in there. Some of them dress up as like uh, maintenance workers maintenance and workers. shit too. The cable man dress yeah. up as the cable man, or like you know, oh, I came yeah. over like your landlord came over and like said to come yeah. over and fix your plumbing or something. Yeah, I got there. Yeah, I got. I got. I've get heard in of there. a couple of them doing that kind yeah. of shit. Got to get in there. Something wrong with your fucking um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Your uh, circuit breaker. Your circuit breakers. Is something wrong with them? I got to come in and check. There you go. Yeah. I feel like that's probably, I mean, I'm not giving anybody any ideas, but I'm just saying I feel like well, that's... Any of, any of those dudes that do that shit have fucking researched all the other ones. Come yeah. On. I mean, I feel like that's the one that's most likely to work. Yeah. I mean, well, if you just, like, some we're... random-ass motherfucker yeah. showed up at your door, but he's like, no, you're not coming in. But if you could have, yeah. like, a uniform and a clipboard and, yeah. like, look like you're... If you look like you have a job. Like, yeah. Yeah. then it's more likely. I think yeah. nowadays probably most people would be like, yeah, no, I'm still not letting you in. But like, I think back in the 70s probably they would have. No, I'm sure it would happen today. If a dude showed up with a clipboard and a hard hat and came up and says, oh, by the way, fucking they told me I'd come in here. And there's, see, a there's a gas leak in the neighborhood, I'd yeah. Say, yeah, well, come on. You know, I'd bring, I'd let him in. The yeah. thing is, I'd probably whip his ass too. So he do <laughs> okay, big difference. <laughs> I'm not a 100-pound female. That's what you I know, mean. I'm a 200-pound male. Yeah, yeah, I feel, well, yeah, so it's yeah. not as, you know, right. it doesn't behoove you the risk as much isn't as there. the and risk not looking isn't for there me. for you, right? No, the only big dudes that have been after me want me to go on their OnlyFans with them and make gay porn. <laughs> hey, man, want, want to make gay porn with me? All right, bro, bro. make all kinds of money. Oh, come on, we don't have to kiss or anything. My girlfriend would film it all. You know, it's fucking crazy shit. <laughs> Zach says, uh, one can certainly at least admire the Olympic pool-sized balls this asshole had. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I don't I don't really admire anything about these, but... I... Like you said, it almost seemed like... He didn't... He doesn't seem real, um... Charismatic. I guess that's kind of why a lot of people are fascinated by Ted Bundy. 
Even though I never found Ted Bundy particularly charismatic, but um, a lot, of, a a lot of people did. They're graded on yeah. a curve. For serial killers, Ted Bundy was... Didn't get much better than that. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, he that's looked about normal. Yeah. Like he kind of had a job. Like he looked he like could, he had his he shit together. He was pretty intelligent. He could he could do stuff, but he didn't have discipline to follow through. He wasn't the kind of guy that could actually hold down a career. He tried. Yeah, he wasn't even a very good student. He he couldn't stay focused on that stuff. Kind of scatterbrained, I think. Yeah, but I mean, um, when you think about it, because I think when people think about serial killers, they think of people like Ted Bundy or something like that. Yeah. But I kind of feel like a lot of serial killers just look like scumbags. Kinda. Yeah. Like some of them have jobs and stuff, but. Well, they had that one guy who was recent, who was kept that woman in that storage shed. Remember, he shot her husband, and he had her chained up in there. And I think they actually saved that one, but he had killed three or four more. Yeah. And he was actually buying shovels, and then off of Amazon, and then rating the shovels. Says this is good if you ever need to bury some bodies. Oh, that's that right. Dude, yeah, we need to call, do him. And yeah, he was, what was that fucker's it, it name? Was re- we were it was reading something. It, it about was that. pretty recent. Yeah. And uh, if you were to look at him, he just looked like a average fucking farm redneck type guy. You know, I wouldn't even say redneck, just country kind of guy. I don't know, but he he looked he didn't really stand up. He was a wacko though. Um, See, you never can tell. Yeah, and he would pull a gun on a couple and kill the husband and then abduct the wife put her in a damn storage shed chain her up in there and go in there and feed her and visit her and have sex with her until he was sick of her and he'd kill her bury her right right in there in that area they were found other ones buried out there I think he's still alive I don't I think he surrendered didn't he? Or, or did they kill him I don't remember I'd have to like look it up again but I did remember like I I remembered when you said about how he he was, rated stuff on Amazon. Yeah, he was buying stuff. He was writing reviews. He was buying stuff off of Amazon to dispose of bodies and to do things and and actually writing the reviews and, and saying, oh, yeah, this is good. If you need any bodies to bury, this is the one. And then, you know, just shit like, oh, yeah, this chain will hold a woman down all night long. That kind of just shit like that. Which, and like I Crazy. said, nobody would think because people think write joke. Re- yeah, because yeah. people write joke reviews on Amazon yeah. all the time. No, so. you serious. So yeah, so but he probably knew it's like oh nobody everybody will just think yeah, nobody it seriously. Yeah, because everybody writes funny shit yeah. like that all the time. Okay. <laughs> all right. So um, are we are are we done? Yeah. Do we have anything else you like? Because I know mm. you're not really feeling all that well. Yeah, yeah. I need to get some sleep. Yeah, I do as well because yeah. I got to get up early in the morning yeah. like always. Yeah. And I also got up very early this morning. I still, I'm not super, super tired for a change, but I would like to kind of yeah. relax for an hour or two before I go to sleep. Uh, but yeah, so hopefully you guys enjoyed this show. Uh, like I said, I've been wanting to do this topic for a while, so I'm glad we finally got around to it. So, uh, so yeah. So thank you everybody for dropping by and hanging out with us this evening. Thank you for super chats. We will be back again on Friday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our sidetrack show. Please remember to hit that like button and uh, comment. Do all that other kind of stuff. You know, push it up in the algorithms. You guys know how YouTube works. So we would appreciate you guys doing that. And I guess we will see you guys again on Friday night. Good night.